Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you know me at all, you already know this. I am basically a farmer. My wife and I, we farm, well, I calculated it the other day. It's 0.0016855 acres. It's, uh, it's 80 square feet. We have a four by eight garden bed and another four by eight garden bed and a one by six garden bed and then a bunch of one foot square foot little pots that we farm. And we do, we do all right. We do pretty good. But this last year we had to get honest with ourselves and we realized that our garden was not producing like it should. And so we didn't know what to do. So what we did was we decided to do a soil test. And so we took samples of our soil. We sent it off. We had it analyzed. They sent it back and they gave us the results of our soil test. And our soil was lacking. And so we had to figure out how we could add some certain nutrients, some nitrogen, some other organic matter to get the garden into a good place. And then we had someone else who recommended that we consider adding another uh, element or practice to our gardening, and that's called no-till gardening. This was new to me, but basically what you do is you take the plants from the previous year, and what I always did in the past was we pulled them out, root and all, and threw them away, right? But no-till gardening is you come in and you take all the plants and you cut them off at the root, but you leave the roots in the garden. And the reason that you do that is because the roots are actually creating an ecosystem underneath the soil where there are different organisms that latch onto those roots so that they can grow and so that they can consume the roots that are now dying. And as it decays, it actually becomes food for future growth, and it becomes food for the future health of your garden. Not every garden's the same, but there are elements of every garden that are. In our lives, spiritually, and especially as we've been talking about what it means to experience genius in different areas of our lives and our spiritual growth, There's no one size fits all, right? But there are elements for each of us that are consistent that we need to grow. And I believe discovering your genius is the same. We don't all have the same genius, but there are all elements of genius that are within each of us. And there's elements of your genius that I can learn from. There's elements of my genius that you can learn from. And we all grow together as we understand each other's genius. So last week, Pastor Mark kicked this series off by talking about uh, uh, what it, where our genius comes from. And he laid out this image that was just beautifully diagrammed. And it shows how our genius comes from our history and from our personality and from our passions and where all of these intersect and our our giftings and where they intersect is where we find our genius. And so last week we studied uh, the life of Joseph, who is the son of Jacob, and and looked at, at Israel and how 
Israel and Egypt, two nations, trajectory was changed because of Joseph leaning into his genius through suffering and discovering an emotional intelligence that changed everything. Speaking of uh, Jacob, who was Joseph's father, uh, I have a personal announcement to make. And that is, Jacob, I'm coming for you. We are so excited to announce that we are having, that I'm having my fifth child. Can you believe that? Number five, I've got three boys, and we just found out we're having our second girl. So, so excited about that. And uh, Jacob, I'm coming. I don't know if I'm going to hit 12, though. So hopefully five is it. But here we go. Um, hey, I want to continue to dive in today. Uh, we looked in the Old Testament last week. I want to look in the New Testament at the Apostle Paul and uncover a genius in him that I think is often overlooked and undervalued in all of our lives and especially in Paul. And that is the genius of vulnerability. The genius of vulnerability. We often view vulnerability as a weakness, and it certainly can be. But it's only a weakness if it's not used as a tool that moves us forward in our spiritual journey, in our personal journey toward wholeness and wellness. You see, it's a critical component of the healthy ecosystem of the soul, of the mind, and of the emotions. Vulnerability with your insecurities, with your triggers, with your anxieties, with your doubts and your fears. Vulnerability with your anger and what makes you angry. And I'm going to lay it out right from the beginning here. There, there is a high probability that there is an area in your life right now where you need to get vulnerable. And that vulnerability is the only way that you are going to move toward the soul wellness that God has designed for you to experience. And mark this. This is a guarantee. Every single one of us walks through a desert experience. If you haven't yet, you will. Everybody experiences the desert. Some of you are in the desert still. But here's the thing, if you don't do the desert well, you won't do the promised land well. And some of you are in the promised land, and you can resonate with that because you know what? Even though you're in the promised land, you're still not finding contentment and the joy that you know is available, that your soul longs for because you're created to experience that and you're not. And there's a realization that, you know what, maybe there's some desert stuff that wasn't dealt with that only can be discovered and worked through and brought to wholeness through your willingness to be vulnerable. Faith without vulnerability isn't a fully formed faith. So what does it look like? The genius of vulnerability is you, listen, the genius of vulnerability is you accepting agency over what you have experienced, what has been done to you, what you think about yourself, and what you have experienced, and using that 
taking it through vulnerability to a place of wholeness and health. And so healthy vulnerability includes five things that I want to look at today in no certain order and in no certain quantity. And it's certainly not a complete list, but this is these five things are critical for us to be able to experience healthy vulnerability, and to learn from the Apostle Paul who lived out with a healthy vulnerability. So the first one is this. Vulnerability requires brutal honesty and brutal honesty with yourself. Paul was a victim. And Paul was a victimizer. Paul experienced abandonment. He experienced abuse. He experienced doubt. He experienced abandonment by those who followed him. He dealt with insecurity. He experienced fear. He was lied to. He was betrayed. He was overwhelmed. But Paul modeled honesty with himself. Romans 7, 15, he talks about his inner struggle with self, with sin, right? When he said, I do what I don't want to do and what I want to do, I don't do. He exposed who, what that struggle was in itself and, and was honest about it. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he opens up about his thorn in the flesh and his struggle with it. And he was honest. He, he talked about how it annoyed him. He talked about how it bothered him and how he asked God to take it away. And what did God do? We know the passage, it says that God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't take it away, but Paul was honest about it. And you know, the thing that keeps frustrating you in your life, the thing that keeps bothering you isn't the thing that's the problem. It's the thing beneath the thing that is most likely the issue. And until we step back and get really honest with ourselves, we cannot become a healthy ecosystem. Because facts, the only person you can't escape is you. And you'll never be able to lead yourself well if you continue to lie to yourself, to ignore the things that keep popping their head up. And there is one common denominator in every bad decision I've ever made, and that's me. It's the common denominator with everything that we've experienced, and I must be willing to make the commitment to myself that I will be brutally honest with myself no matter how much it hurts. Honest about my hurts, my wounds from others, honest about my insecurities, honest about the hurts that I've caused in others, honest about the hard conversations I've avoided, the controlling experiences I've had, the times I've bailed on situations and people. And this is, this is scary. I mean... This is real. Getting into this place of honesty is difficult, but you can't heal what you don't reveal. You can't get there. And, and I love the, the learning zone model. It, it shows this image of starting. We start in the place of comfort, right? And the 
most outer circle is the grow. But in order to get to grow, you have to go through the first phase, which is fear. You always have to step into the fear zone to get to the learning zone, to get to the grow zone. But you will never get to that space of growing and that experience of growing unless you're willing to deal with some of the fears that are there and expose the fears and the hurts and the doubts and even the trauma. But then what, ha- what needs to happen is in that moment, we need to become curious about it. Start asking the question, why is this here? Why does it hurt me to be honest with myself, to be honest about my insecurities? And you know what? When we start getting honest about asking those questions about our traumas, about our fears, about our insecurities, you know what always happens? Others pop up. Because, right, life would be great if it wasn't for all the people. Can I get an amen? No, don't say amen to that one. But seriously, it, when we realize that a lot of our insecurities and when we begin to look at the thing below the thing as to why something bothered us, it's usually not the person that we're dealing with in that moment. It's usually a past experience with somebody. A tr- All those things have to do, we find other people there, their words, their actions, their perceptions of us, and even our perceptions of what their actions said about us. But you can't get to that unless you start with brutal honesty. And then number two, when you get to that, the second phase of healthy vulnerability is ferocious forgiveness over and over and over again. Paul, who was thrown in prison, abandoned by disciples, His motives were questioned by the Philippian church. He was beaten to the point that they thought he was dead. Talk about trauma. This guy had to have some serious trauma. And yet he writes in 2 Corinthians 2.10, forgive one another as your father has forgiven you. He writes again, same thing, Ephesians 4.32. He writes it again in Colossians 3.13. Over and over again, Paul models what vulnerability looks like. And part of that is forgiveness. Steve Carter wrote an amazing book that's helped me with framing even some of these thoughts today. The book is actually called The Thing Beneath the Thing. I suggest, encourage you to get this book, but... He actually breaks the thing into an acrostic, and I think it's a a key piece of, of understanding healthy vulnerability. And so each letter of thing represents something. So T stands for trigger. The trigger is the setup that sets you off. The setup that sets you off. And then when that happens, H, hideouts. Hideouts are where you go to hide from the pain. Some, some of us, have, we all have our different hideouts, right? Some of us hide out into food. Some of us hide out into music. Some of us hide out into entertainment. Some of us hide out into a glass of wine or a glass of bourbon. What is the hideout? Is it some form of escapism, some form of, of protection? And when we, 
when we get that trigger, we move to that hideout, and then all of a sudden, third I stands for insecurities. Our insecurities are exposed. You know, this is one of the best definitions I've ever heard of insecurities. Insecurities are the false stories you create about yourself. The false stories you create about yourself. And then N stands for narratives. The narratives are the false stories you create about others. We begin to create stories about others, right? And we box people in. We hear one thing and all of a sudden we, we attach them to an entire narrative. And that's what happens a lot of times when, when we have these trigger experiences. It's something, ha- and all of a sudden we write that little emotion that popped up into an entire narrative that puts you into the, the purpose, the cause of that narrative. And, and we write this story. But then it ends with the place of healing, which is the word grace. Grace is the place where you discover how to become whole, holy, and spiritually healthy. And healthy vulnerability is getting real with yourself, about yourself, so that you can heal yourself. And a word that I think is kind of gone out of style is the word sanctification. And sanctification basically is the process that makes us whole and holy and spiritually healthy. And I love what what Steve says in, uh, in his book, and I quote, he says, if we're being triggered, it's usually connected to an older wound. And this is an opportunity that God loves us so much that he will keep bringing people into our lives until we honor this pain, this wound, this pothole truth. And when we're able to invite grace in, we become better humans. We become well. Two years ago, I had a moment where I found myself languishing. I wasn't, it wasn't depression, but I wasn't living in a a flourishing state either. I was in this, this space that was closer down here where I was just, I was just. I was numb. I was I had a lot of anxiety. Some nights I had a hard time going to sleep. Other nights I would wake up in the middle of the night and have a hard time going back to sleep. I had a short temper. Um I got angry and I just I just wasn't content. And it 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 was a desert season for me. It was a a, a struggle and I think Oftentimes, we get comfortable with these places, and we start to put that on everything around us, and and we blame our circumstances or lack thereof for the place that we're in, and so a lot of times, what we do is we just accept, we accept that life's just hard, but here's the problem. Accepting hard and choosing hard are two completely different things. One is reactive and the other is proactive. And if you choose to do what's hard, then life will become easy. 
But when you react to everything that's hard, then life is difficult. You see, the life you wish you had is often found in the work that you're avoiding. That's true at work, but that's true in your personal life, in your spiritual life, in your, in your uh, growth as a person, even emotionally. And so the hard work is the work of honesty. It's the work of, of forgiveness. Like we're talking, and, and forgiveness, here's the thing. Forgiveness is not about the other person. This is, this is one of the biggest misnomers, uh, uh, miscommunications, misunderstandings of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is all about you. You have control over it. And, and I'm telling unforgiveness is like an acid that eats its own container. So do yourself a favor and forgive. Stepping into forgiveness is all about you moving into a place of healing. We have to realize so much of our insecurity and our triggers include the deep work of identification and forgiveness. And I know there's so many layers to this and and most of the time, we're going to need help to walk through this. It might be the help of a book. It might be the help of, of a class or a course. It might be the help of, of a counselor. And I've, I've tapped into all of these at different points in my life. But here's my point. This is what I want you to understand. No matter what your trigger is or your trauma is that you've experienced you can be healed. Yes. You can forgive. Yes. You can. It is within you through Christ to move into a place of wholeness, of health, of wellness, and of healing. And I know it's hard to imagine, especially I, I cannot say that I've experienced the trauma that you've experienced, just like you haven't experienced some of the traumas I have or the insecurities I deal with or the doubts or the, all the things, right? We're all in our own, we're all our own little garden, our own little ecosystem that needs to grow and become healthy. I get that. But the fact is you can find wellness and your, the ecosystem of your soul can become well, and you may even need to experience some of that no-till gardening in who you are, in past experience, in those things that there's some things in your life that used to produce that aren't anymore and they need to be cut off. And there's some things in your life that were, that were difficult experiences, but you know what? The roots of that, as they decay, can become a healthy component of you growing and moving forward. Why am I even talking about this? Because I think all of us have some area of our life where we are living from hurt, from a wound, from an insecurity. And when it pops up through a short temper, through a sharp word, through a moment of needing to escape, maybe a breakdown. We don't take advantage 
of that moment to be vulnerable with ourselves. We just brush it off as it's your fault because you pushed me, because you triggered me, right? Because you set because you created the environment for me to respond to that. And what we need to do is get curious in that moment, get vulnerable in that moment and go what's going on underneath? Why did I just do that with my kids, with my spouse, with my parents, with my teacher, with my friends at school? What is it? What's going on here? And you see, it steals from us the ability to live from wholeness and wellness, which then perpetuates the problem. Can I invite us all to own that, that vulnerability? All right, let's just... Take a step back. Maybe, maybe we need a little comic relief here. I don't know. It, in fact, you know what? I, I brought something to kind of help us out to reframe everything. Um, you know, Pastor Mark gave us such an, an amazing Venn diagram of genius. And I found this one online that you, you got to check out. I love this. It, it has the things I like, the things I'm good at, the things that make money, and then the things I actually do. This is the Venn diagram I think we can relate to, right? Uh, or maybe, uh, maybe you guys got the genius one down. So, um, hey, I think it works. So what does Paul model for us? He models for us honesty with ourselves. He models for us forgiveness. And three models, Paul models through a genius of vulnerability, a recovered identity. Here we go, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for powers made perfect in weakness, I will all the, or I will all the gladly, all the more gladly boast of my weakness that the power of Christ may rest on. Paul is identifying here with Christ. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's identifying with Christ. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. 1 Corinthians 13.10, now I know in part, then I shall know fully as I am fully known. That, that last verse is so interesting to me because it's interesting to me that being, Paul says being known or, or, or knowing in full is in direct proportion to being fully known by God. You see, vulnerability has to do with being known. And you can only know as you are known by God. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us say, well, God, are, God knows me. He knows all about me. But God knowing about you and knowing you is different than you being known. Because being known involves two people. One person can't known somebody, right? It has to be two people for there to be a known experience. Because being known is you Knowing me, but me knowing that you know me and us having that mutual experience of knownness. And so God is trying to reveal to you who you are so that you can be known by 
him. When I went through my own desert experience into the hard work of vulnerability and uncovering the thing beneath the thing, and I began to find these insecurities, and I was like, why, why do I feel that? And I began to uncover the insecurity, and I tied it to conversations. I tied it to experiences that I had, and I tied it to what somebody said to me, and now every time that I have that experience, I repeat that narrative over myself. I speak those words back, or I listen to, my, to myself saying these things about myself. And so when I went through this work of vulnerability, I began to discover who my creator saw me to be. And then I began to see myself in those light, in that light. And it began to transform. As I was known by God, I knew who I was. As I was known by God, I knew who I was. And it wasn't the first time. I was coming home to who I had always been, but I hadn't been there in so long that I forgot who I was. And being known by God in those moments revealed to me and helped me come back to a recovered identity of who I was created to be. You see, God knew me before I even knew me. The scripture says that he knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb. And it is only through experiencing the knownness of God that you can know who you truly are. And it was an identity that I had let others steal because of what they said or did or made me feel about myself. And then I kept listening to that narrative over my life and my identity. And that is that's when I realized I needed to stop listening to myself and start talking to myself. And I needed to tell myself what I knew that God knew about me. And I don't know who this is for today, but somebody needs to tell themselves something that God says about them. You need to tell yourself, Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You need to tell yourself, Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. You need to tell yourself, Psalm 20, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. You need to tell yourself, Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You need to tell yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need to tell yourself, Job 13, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. You need to tell yourself, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Somebody tell yourself something that God is telling you about yourself. The genius of vulnerability involves brutal honesty, ferocious forgiveness, recovered identity, and number four, trusted circles. I don't have time to dive into this too much, but when is the last time you checked your circle? The people that you surround yourself with because you know what? This is no solo endeavor. 
Successful self-leadership means I will not lead myself by myself. We need people who will speak truth into our lives, but we trust their values. We don't need safe spaces. We need trusted spaces. Because you know what? The wound, faithful are the wounds of a friend. When's the last time you had somebody whose values you trusted that wounded you with a word to move you towards wholeness? If it hasn't been for a minute, maybe you need to check your circle. Because the problem is we tend to build our circles by interests and not by values. Check your circle. Number five, the genius of vulnerability involves an outward purpose. I'm afraid the trend and tide of our culture these days is about self-discovery. A self-discovery that points inward as an end unto itself. But self-discovery in its healthy form, starts at the creator and goes outward. It starts as the created, as created in the image of God in me. It starts with who God says I am and then goes outward from there. If all you do is get to know yourself for yourself, then when you get to the end, all you're gonna have is yourself. But purpose, listen to me, People, people want to know their, what is my purpose? Let me, let me tell you one of my favorite definitions. Purpose is found just across the border of what's in it for me. You see, vulnerability has to lead to a place that starts inward but points outward. This is not self-discovery for self's sake. This is self-discovery of who God says I am for others' sake. That was the model that Jesus lived for us. And that is the invitation today. Purpose isn't necessarily something pretty either. And I'm gonna invite Pastor Chris to come and prepare to lead us in a closing song. But if we go back to 2 Corinthians 12, we talked about this. It said Paul asked for God to remove the thorn in the flesh. But you know what he said? God didn't take it away. But rather, what did he do? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. What if the purpose of the trauma, of the wound that you've experienced, what if the purpose of the loss, what if the purpose is that the world would know, that you would know, that God is enough, that no matter what, you're gonna be okay because God is with you. His grace is sufficient for you and for others to experience that as you are vulnerable and share your wound. You see, finding your genius involves moving through the genius of vulnerability and then realizing that your genius has an outward purpose. We're gonna close a little bit differently today. We're just gonna, we're gonna just bring it down and just get alone with ourselves and do some reflection. I wanna just do just an acoustic close, just a very simple, we don't need all the things 
I just want us to get real and get vulnerable for a moment here. So we're going to close with a reflective song. And there's a line in the song that says this. I was found before I was lost. I was yours before I was not. And the invitation today is to come home. It's to come home to you. It's to come home to God. It's to come home to the you that he knew before you were even known. But it's to become known in that. It's to come home to your soul. It's to come home to wellness. And I just want to invite you right where you are, all over this place, in your room, in your office, in your home. I just want to invite you to just close yourself in. Maybe you want to get on your knees. Maybe you want to stand. But would you just posture yourself right now and take the step that you need to take to begin to move into some vulnerability and come back to God, come back to who he's created you to be.